Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Cine Scoop. We're on episode three um, already. I really want to thank everyone who's listened to the first two episodes so far and for all the great feedback I've had. I really appreciate it and I can't thank you enough. So kind of in keeping with the whole horror, spooky, scary theme because I'm still mourning the fact that Halloween is over, I'm going to be focusing on my favourite genre of horror movie which is folk horror. Now folk horror has always been to me a forgotten about gem of a subgenre for the horror universe and it frequently produces critically revered and acclaimed films but it when you take all of the films that can be counted as folk horror films into consideration, they are actually quite few and far between. Folk horror can often be the most insidious and chilling of horror film, and this is because they tap into the most disturbing aspects to me of society whether this be the destruction of the nuclear family unit, isolation in a community, paranoia, or a subversion of religious ideals, and much, much more. One of the common aspects of horror f- folk horror films, which I find both intriguing and chilling, is more often than not, and not not all folk horror films do it, but quite a lot of them do, is the period setting of them. Now, I'm an ex-history university student, so that's probably got a lot to do with why it intrigues me so much. But there is something about unearthly things going on and occurring in a remote time period which really just scares the shit out of me for some reason which um is probably why I was you know terrified at the prospect of the supposed deleted scene from it so for those who don't know there was supposedly a scene from the first It 2017 movie that was cut and it was regarding Pennywise when he first came to Derry in around the late 1600s and it involved a very sort of early model of Pennywise basically stealing a baby from a settler and eating it (laughs) and I was really pumped about watching this scene possibly in the second installment because they said they were going to put it in there and they didn't which was hugely disappointing but I was really excited about seeing that scene because I just find period settings to be the perfect foreground for horrible things happening and I think it's to do with that element of isolation and um, these remote villages where paranoia can be bred so easily and so quickly and it can just fester into this horrible 
horrible cabin fever situation despite the fact that you're in the the open air and um you know witchcraft and devilry happens and intertwines with that um so it's really for me the perfect combination for something that will actually scare me so I really wanted to dedicate an episode of the podcast to folk horror because it does mean quite a lot to me and over the years since watching The Wicker Man uh, it's really festered into my favourite of the horror genres so if you want to keep listening and learn a bit more about the folk horror genre or just have a bit of a uh, a natter with me a one-ended natter about the beauty of uh, folk horror and all of its strengths um, and intricacies then please keep on listening so I kind of wanted to take a chronological dive into the folk horror films of the last 40 or so years so we're going to start with what I tend to pinpoint as the first folk horror film and that is a film called Valerie and Her Week of Wonders from 1970. Now this to me is not a conventional folk horror it's very different to the kind of horror films in the folk genre that emerge a lot later on but there is in the film a lot of interwoven folk elements so it takes place in a rather rustic village setting there are a lot of um wicker man-esque style wedding processions with masks and it all seems very rustic and you know you can tell that these are elements that are preempting the infamous wicker man um slightly so the film revolves around a girl called valerie um as you may have guessed from the title and she is sort of coming of age and she's in her own little world which is really really strange and lucid and frightening for her and she imagines a lot of people in her world as different things and as different creatures. Um, she sees her grandmother as a vampire at one point, and the uh, mysterious villain of the piece is called the Polecat, and he can shapeshift and, and, and what have you. And it's a really interesting piece of European horror, which is never quite horror, because there's always that sense of fantasy with it and you're never sure if it's actually real um but it is a beautiful film it's stunning to watch um and really fascinating because the entire time you're trying to work out if this is all in Valerie's head and what is actually going on and you know it really makes your brain work and I think that it's kind of the beginning of folk horror in my opinion even though to me everything is a little bit too light and fresh and confined um to be truly folk horror um but I still think because 
of especially the ending not to spoil anything but there's you know there's a large sort of orgy-like romp in the forest towards the end and it's all between trees and she's sort of tripping through the woods and and that really seemed to be the beginning of folk horror for me and it kind of feels like a really perverse version of as you like it (laughs) but um yeah it's it's a wonderful film i love the way it's shot and there's some truly terrifying images in it and some really terrifying concepts for example not really knowing who the people around you actually are and i will say um that the polecat the main sort of villain of the piece is a really scary figure a really scary imposing figure and uh, yeah he's not the most pleasant of uh of people um to look at so there's always that element of something quite jarring and unpleasant in the background of the film which is why i think it sort of seems to commence the folk horror genre for me and as well as that as I said, it's a very confined village that Valerie's in. She is only really dealing with a handful of characters um, throughout the whole film. So it's very intimate. And for that reason, you feel like Valerie is kind of completely on her own in the whole thing, um, apart from a few acquaintances. And yeah, it kind of has all of those elements of like isolation and fear and... and um, paranoia and not really knowing what's going on so for me Valerie and her week of wonders is a beautiful film in and of itself but it also for me marks the beginning of the foray into folk horror and all of those elements that come to really define it um later on with um with more quintessential folk horror films such as the wicker man for example But I can definitely see where The Wicker Man kind of drew its inspiration from Valerie because there are, as I said, certain pieces of imagery which is is very, very reminiscent of each other. Um, the, The processions of the villagers is, you know, quite a throwback to Valerie in The Wicker Man. So you can definitely see that the borrowing of elements from Valerie can certainly it, it can certainly define it as a folk horror film for me. And I think without Valerie, a lot of the films that we know and love on this list that I'm about to lay down for you guys would not actually be the films that they are. So yeah. First up, Valerie and her week of wonders. If anyone's not seen the film, I would highly recommend it. I think it's I think it's currently on YouTube or something at the moment. Um, so you can just, you know, if you have a spare hour, hour and 20 minutes, something like that, watch it because it's a really strange but wonderful experience. And I just love the shots and the colours of the film. You know, it's all kind of like bright and beautiful and there's lots of pale pastel colours, but it still somehow manages to be absolutely eerie and terrifying at the same time so yeah would fully recommend Valerie it's a great film 
I must add, actually, that I would see the very, very sort of fetal point of folk horror beginning in the Hammer film, The Devil Rides Out, starring Christopher Lee. Um, it's got that whole element of um, isolation and and devil worship and all, all of that kind of um, delightfully sinister nonsense. But I'm actually going to be doing a separate podcast all about Hammer horror films. Um, so I thought that I would leave The Devil Rides Out for that and I'll be doing that with my friend Matt so um that will be for another podcast so I just wanted to disclaim for anyone who listens and goes what about the devil rides out isn't that isn't that a a folk horror film yes it is but it's just not going to be included in this episode so yeah but um for me the real beginnings of British folk horror appear in a film called The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971 and this film I watched while I was doing my dissertation about um, demonic ghost stories in the Civil War, in the English Civil War Um, so kind of perfect timing to be honest and this film actually really shit me up Um, it's about a village who unearth a sort of group of demonic bones it sounds really weird but literally some guy's farming and he finds a bunch of really weird bones in the ground which clearly don't belong to a human and they don't belong to any animal known to man so they're like what the hell is this and of course after that complete chaos unfolds in the village um a lot of the village's adolescents become rather obsessed and randy and creepy and they form this little cult and it is a really great film you can tell it wasn't done on the biggest budget of all time but it really doesn't matter to me the effect of the film is still there and it's still powerful enough for you to forego some of the less um the less uh, convincing special effects there aren't really that many special effects to be spoken about really but you know it's it was 1971 and I feel like the atmosphere of the film is enough to forego some of the weaker um sfx elements of the film but this film was delightfully eerie for me the camera shot at the start where they find the weird bones just beforehand it starts basically almost as if the camera is lying on the ground and it's tilted upwards watching these um, young farmers approach as if something under the earth is just waiting and biding its time to be unearthed and it just sets the entire tone for the film of one of impending doom really really well and I thought it's just it's just brilliant it's kind of like a very very incarnation early incarnation of Robert Eggers the witch um which is a fantastic film um but I just I really liked the historical setting again that's always just a way to get me instantly creeped out um 
because I think it's that whole idea of these people in the 1600s, for example, during like the Civil War times, they didn't really know, they were so obsessed with religion and yet they were also so torn apart by civil war that their whole village family structures were all up in arms so it's kind of almost like they haven't got a bloody clue what's going on and then when you add a more sinister element of something creepy like a demon trying to worm his way into this already broken community it just it just it's the perfect combination to absolutely scare me shitless so this film was a delight um i actually found out about it on a horror documentary i was watching i think it was a history of horror by mark gattis i can't i could be wrong but I found out about it and I'm so glad that I jotted it down and decided to watch it because it was an actually brilliant, brilliant film. And, you know, the the whole demonic element underlying it is scary enough, but the people in it, the things that this whole, you know, cult obsession the things that causes them to do especially the teenagers of the village is disturbing so it's it's that whole thing of well satan's scary enough but then so are the people it's the people that you have to be mindful of as well um and i think that is a definite ongoing theme with folk horror it's that you know there's there's something supernatural and sinister more often than not not always but more often than not underlying the the goings on of the film but it's the people that you have to be really really worried about um and that is especially true for films like the wicker man and midsummer which we will shortly cover so yeah i definitely would recommend the blood on satan's claw it's a fantastic film um and it just has this really really unnerving uncomfortable tone for the whole thing which as a horror fan i can really really appreciate it so yeah give it a watch if you've got some time So a folk horror podcast wouldn't really be complete without The Wicker Man, a 1973 classic starring Edward Woodward and the infamous Christopher Lee. Now, when people think folk horror, The Wicker Man instantly jumps to mind, and I understand why. Um, It is the sort of prized possession of the genre, and for me, when I watched it, it was definitely gripping. I wouldn't necessarily say that I was scared by it, but it was definitely bizarre and unnerving. And there was some really weird and jarring imagery in it, which, you know, is always, I always tend to find is a staple in the folk horror genre. There are some great performances from Woodward and Lee, and I think it is that whole fear of 
your whole entire moral values being subverted. So Edward Woodward's character is a very upright Christian policeman and he's tasked to go to this um, sort of outpost island um, in, you know, just off off the, the edge of Scotland and he has to find a missing girl. And he slowly starts to find that this village isn't your normal, you know, cosy village. Um, their values are very different. And I think it's that whole thing of him being unable to grasp how these people can live this way and believe in this kind of stuff. And in the film, the villagers are naturally painted as the villains of the piece. But, you know, you could argue that, well, you know, they have their religion. They should just be left to do their own thing. Obviously, the stuff that they do with that religion towards the climax of the film is is um, it's probably not the best thing that you should do. Uh, <laughs> probably not the nicest thing to do either. But, um, yeah, I think that the scariest part of that film is definitely feeling like you're being put in that position that Edward Woodward is in you're made to empathize with him and it's that really oppressive feeling of complete and utter isolation and being lost because he's in a completely different world he doesn't know anyone everyone's acting like absolute weirdos in his in his mind and you can definitely feel there's like a seedy underbelly to everything that's going on in the village which is, you know, totally aside from the stuff that they're doing in their normal everyday lives, um, with their paganistic rituals and all that kind of thing. It's something deeper, and obviously that is leading towards the climax of the film, so can't really say anything about that. Um, But, yeah, I think, as I said, I think this film lends a lot from Valerie with the... Um, village processions and the weird masks and the weird clothing and that whole thing and I think the the reason why the Wicker Man is sort of the king of the folk horror genre is because it's a really fantastic film it is really really well made and it you know it's it's weird and sort of inexplicable but that's why it's so loved I think um and yeah it's a fantastic film I think uh the remake of it was a travesty and a mistake um we will not be foring into the Nicolas Cage version no matter how hilarious it is it's just not happening sorry um we will stick with the good old original Edward Woodward version (laughs) Yes, thank God. Um, So, yeah, I think it's got that quintessential set of folk elements, paranoia, isolation, subversion of cultural values, threat, all of that kind of thing, and I think it's just... It's a fantastic film. Um, And I would fully recommend um, 
to anyone uh, who is who is really wanting to start watching films in the folk genre, you should probably start with The Wicker Man because it is kind of like the king of folk horror. Um, it's the one that springs instantly to mind. So, yeah. Um, fantastic film. Not necessarily scary, as I said. Um, to me, it's not as scary as some of the other films on this list, like The Blood on Satan's Claw um, and that kind of thing, and The Witch, for example. But you know, that's my personal opinion. Someone else might find The Wicker Man and the themes within that film a lot scarier than I do, and that's absolutely fine. At the end of the day, it's a glorious film, and, you know, people should watch it because it's a piece of film history, in my opinion, as well as being sort of the pinnacle of the folk genre. So the next instalment in my chronology of folk horror is a film called Picnic at Hanging Rock from 1975 and it's an Australian indie horror um, about a bunch of private schoolgirls who are on a day trip to Hanging Rock and a small group of them who are we who we are introduced to, um, go up onto the rock and suddenly vanish. Now, you know, that as a premise doesn't seem that scary. <laughs> um, and for me, it's it wasn't a scary film. I would say it's more of an eerie film. Um, and it's a folk horror in ways. Um, and whenever I would search, you know, lists of folk horror films on um, Google and I would look at articles, this film would always pop up. And when I first started watching the film, I was like, why? This doesn't really make sense. But the more I watched the film, the more those themes of folk horror came up to the surface so it's again it's focusing on this fairly intimate um integrated community this time as it's a bunch of private schoolgirls and their teachers and they are kind of not extremely far out from the rest of society but they're kind of sort of isolated and especially the girls who venture up onto the rock there are there is that feeling of isolation as they keep wandering and they keep wandering and I noticed that for the entire film there was a real dreamlike quality to um the shots and the lens and you know these girls they were all in white and it, it was very very much reminiscent of Valerie you know, the whole experience of going onto the rock and exploring it for the four girls was very dreamlike and tranquil, obviously, up until they disappeared. Um, so, yeah, it gave me Valerie vibes um, for that reason, but I wouldn't say that it was a horror I would use the word horror extremely loosely. 
Um, but I can see why many have decided to place it into the folk horror genre because it definitely has eerie undertones. The idea that these girls could walk into a crevice in this um, very imposing, huge um, structure of rock and vanish, almost like it was some sort of like time warp or, you know, some sort of wormhole, was actually fairly creeped me out. And I am interested to read the book at some point, just if to see if I can get a little bit more of a grasp on what actually went on, because I still think about that film like, what the hell happened to them? And I think it's that ability to dig your claws into your brain and get, you know, get yourself to rack your your thoughts for what is actually going on is is was also a great um part of the folk horror genre um and i think this film was no different i think the acting was good and um i liked the sort of different relationships between the girls which were touched on in between all of this mad um wormhole based drama if it is actually a wormhole I have absolutely no idea that's just my take on it um but yeah it's a very eerie dreamlike film and I would I would recommend it I think it's a great piece of um Australian indie filmmaking and um I think there's a reason why it's still referred to as one of the best Australian made films of all time it's it's a really great film and I would say that it's folk, but less folk horror because it's not really that scary at all. But it definitely has a sort of eerie underlying feeling to it. So, yeah, that one it is kind of half in, half out of the list. But I decided to include it anyway because I still think that it contains a lot of the elements that we've been talking about so far. So kind of makes sense you know so in the last couple of years there's actually been a much needed boom in the cinematic area of folk horror which I'm really glad about because as I said big fan so one of the most famous folk horror installments made in the last five years or so is Robert Eggers' The Witch from 2015 and when I first saw the trailer for it I was so excited because as I said being a history student it was set in the late 1600s and I was like "Ooh, this is interesting and I'm just one of those people that is also like a stickler for historical accuracy in films as well so there was all that kind of thing I thought oh it looks very authentic and you know the way they're speaking the language that they're using in the film very authentic so I was happy about that and then when I watched the film that was all lovely but there was this feeling of absolute dread overhanging the entire film and again it was down to that whole feeling of paranoia and isolation especially because there was that whole element of 
witchcraft and your whole family turning against you. And as I said earlier, the, the idea of the nuclear family structure being broken down um, fairly quickly. And I was so pleased because it was probably the first film I'd seen in a long time that really truly unnerved me. And there were some really, really disturbing moments. So one that springs to mind is the possession of the son um, in the family who returns from a walk in the woods, not himself, and having encountered a very odd woman (laughs) in her little house. Um, And that whole possession scene was really really uncomfortable to watch and I wasn't scared per se but it's that under the skin feeling that is so prevalent in this film you are just waiting and waiting for something bad to happen and especially because you're quite frightened for the heroine Thomasin because she is at a disadvantage in the entire film. Her own family members, her own brothers and sisters are accusing her of being a witch and it's that whole omnipresent um, thing that is turning this family against each other and I think it is just a perfect addition to the folk horror genre by Robert Eggers because it's just it's got everything it's got everything you want in a folk horror film it's got some really haunting imagery it has got the feeling of isolation you know this family that has been kicked out of their village has set up their home far away from anybody else just on the outskirts of the woods and then there's that whole feeling of them turning against one another and something Sinister is lurking in the background of all this. And, of course, huge shout-out to Black Phillip, the star of the film. He's an absolute legend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a fantastic film, and I would really, really recommend it to anyone who hasn't actually seen it yet. Um, I just think it's one of the best horror films to come out of the last five years. And... Maybe that's just because it's around a subject that historically I find really interesting. Um, That always helps, especially with folk horror films, which is maybe why I've just been biased for the last 30 minutes of this entire podcast recording. I don't know. Um, But it is also extremely well paced. I think that the way that Robert Eggers has paced the film has made it really really hard to watch in the sense that you are just waiting and waiting for something bad to happen to this family and to this girl um but he sort of is able to subvert it and put it on its head and all of that kind of thing it's a total mindfuck the film is just it's just a complete it's exhausting to watch it's so stressful but it's a really really great film I cannot sell it to people enough it's just it's so good but of course you can let me know what you think twitter at saxondales um give me a little comment or whatever and just let me know what you thought of any of these films if you've seen them and whether you think they deserve a place on this chronological list of horror folk horror 
stuff so yeah there you go and sort of in keeping with the whole theme of modern folk horror um, of course recently there's been the release of Midsommar by Ari Aster the famous director of Hereditary um, now Midsommar I was very excited by the trailer um, when it came out earlier this year I was like oh my god another folk horror film let me rush down to the cinema and see it unfortunately don't know what I was doing but I never got to actually go to the cinema and see it unfortunately but recently I managed to finally sit down and watch it for the first time and I was impressed um the thing was with Hereditary Ari Aster's previous film and I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here but the last half an hour of Hereditary scared me shitless. The first half an hour of Hereditary also scared me shitless. But the middle hour or so, not really, I wasn't really sure what was going on and it left me a little bit deflated. Now I thought that I may have the same problem with Midsummer which, by the way, I'm probably butchering because I know it's supposed to be Swedish and the way it's spelled, I'm just like, ooh, Midsommar um, instead of Midsummer. Um, but Midsummer, I thought it was going to be the same kind of thing because I'm sure it clocks at two and a half hours or something like that, so it's quite a long horror film and I thought, is the pacing in this going to be the same as Hereditary? And it wasn't, actually, for me Um it, it was slow pacing, especially at the beginning, after the sort of prologue of introducing us to Danny and Christian and the tragedy in Danny's life. Also, by the way, fantastic name for your lead female character. I absolutely loved it. Um, but the whole thing, once they got to Sweden and even beforehand, um, there was this eerie under the skin feeling, which folk horror is just brilliant for and it was gross and it was shocking probably more so than any other folk horror film I've watched Ari Aster really made the genre his own and pushed the boundaries in it um but it was very Wicker Man-esque in the sense that you didn't feel comfortable you didn't you never really felt that these characters were safe at any moment you knew there was something very wrong afoot and yeah it was just that tension you couldn't really rest for a single moment even when they were just going there and they were starting to visit um you weren't quite sure that they were going to be they weren't going to be all right you just got this horrible horrible feeling and it was that fact that the villagers used and manipulated what was going on in Danny and Christian's personal life in order to split them up and manipulate them and all of that sort of icky stuff going on it it was a very very clever film and again something that I found is common from you know going back over all of these films is the disorienting element to each of them so for the Wicker Man, it was disorienting because your morals were completely affronted and, you know, you're put in the place of 
Edward Woodward's character and your whole values, cultural and moral, were being flipped upside down by meeting the villagers. With Valerie, it was the whole coming-of-age thing, not knowing really what was going on, having to figure your way in the world as a woman and not really being able to trust the people that you knew. With Panic at Hang... With Picnic at Hanging Rock, sorry, um... It was the fact that you didn't know what had happened to these girls. You didn't know what was happening to these girls when they were making their ascent onto this giant rock with a wormhole in it. I still contend that it was a wormhole, okay? Let me know what you think, but I think it was a wormhole. Anyway, and for Midsummer, it was the fact that a lot of the villagers used drugs. LSD to not necessarily paralyze the wits of their you know of their prey shall we call them shall we call the characters prey I think that's probably an appropriate um, word having watched the film Um, not necessarily to paralyze their wits but certainly to disorient them and that then had an effect on the audience. And I thought that Ari Aster's really clever use of effects helped make us, the audience, feel like we were one of the original group members becoming completely lost in this new world of this pagan Swedish village. Um, And sure, I think Midsummer had its problems as a film but as a folk horror film I think it was a brilliant brilliant installment and I'm kind of glad that folk horror with The Witch and Midsummer are getting this sort of boost again I think it's really needed because to me it is the most interesting form of horror like definitely um as a subgenre it just really intrigues and frightens me. So yeah, I'm kind of glad that this boom in modern folk horror is getting a... It, it is is happening and I think having watched Midsummer, it just reminded me of how much I love the genre and why. So very pleased with that. So folk horror to me is a hidden but quietly ever-blossoming realm of horror with chilling themes, horrific imagery at times and really varied and intriguing periodic settings. And they can more often than not achieve haunting storylines even with a small budget you take a look at the blood on satan's claw and you know that film wasn't made for a huge amount of money but it still manages to capture the effect of really unnerving you and for me in all of horror some of the most terrifying imagery has come from folk horror films um so whether that be the image of behemoth in the blood on satan's claw in the dilapidated church, Black Philip bucking and rearing 
and sort of shoving his hooves into the mud outside the house in the witch Danny's rueful expression at the end of Midsummer, and the polecat priest from Valerie and her week of wonders there's so much that just bores into your mind and sticks with you from the folk horror genre and I think that's what is so effective and enjoyable about it now there are a couple of films that I missed in this list um for example the Witchfinder general starring vincent price um you know uh, an example of again very early folk horror for me that film would be more of a period drama thing with you know spooky undertones um because for me that kind of film was more about the false accusations um of the witchfinder Matthew Hopkins and their effect on villagers and people at the time. And while that film had the sense of paranoia and all of that kind of thing, I feel like it was for different reasons and it was more about his sort of reign of tyranny rather than a real insidious supernatural breakdown of village life. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily count that as a horror but it's definitely one of those folksy, dramatic films that kind of lies on the edge of the folk horror genre for me. And obviously this list hasn't been exhaustive, but these are the films that just instantly spring to mind when I think of folk horror films. So for that reason, if there's any... Uh, films that you think that I've missed and you're tearing your hair out listening to this podcast and thinking oh my god you should have included this please message me on my twitter account at saxondales I'd really like to hear what you guys think I should have included and even if it just means that I get to watch some more folk horror that I've never watched before that's fine by me because as I said I love this subgenre of horror and I feel like it deserves more credit so yeah um thank you so much for listening you guys um i should be back next week with the fourth installment of cine scoop um not really sure what it's going to be about yet but hey i'm sure i'll figure something out um it'll probably be something horror related as you've probably guessed by now that's sort of the main vein of this of this film um podcast but I was also kind of thinking of doing a episode regarding the Oscars I know there's a lot of Oscar talk and Oscar buzz at the moment um in preparation for early next year and I was gonna maybe talk about um the failings of the Oscars and the whole sympathy Oscar thing and when like who should have won when and and who um who really should have won in cases that were quite, um, that were quite controversial. So let me know if that is something that you'd like to hear about. Um, and if not, I'll just come up with something else. It'll be absolutely fine. So thanks so much for listening to this podcast, you guys. I very much hope to, um, I was going to say see, but you can't really see people doing a podcast. I forget it's kind of like, an audio only thing. Well, I hope that you guys tune into the next episode 
of CineScoop. Bye for now.